where we discuss horror movies featuring children because parenting can be scary and kids are definitely creepy <sighs> i'm josh i'm Deddy, and i'm carol i'm mummy uh we are i gotta say thank you guys for listening this is really fun four episodes in we've gotten some really great feedback some really great ratings and reviews and some really great shares and so we appreciate you all for joining us on this crazy ride who knew there was anyone inside the Venn of parenting and horror movies besides <laughs> us? We thought it was a two-person sliver between two big fat circles of parenting uh, people who are over-opinionated parenting people and over-opinionated horror people. Um, there's a bunch of you, so we appreciate it. Today's episode is the 1988 baby that launched a thousand dolls. Child's play. And uh, we were just talking about how I can never n- remember the name of this movie because it really doesn't, I, it should have been called Chucky. I mean. Yep. Should have been called it, Chucky the movie. Like when you're watching the movie, you're like child's play. Mm, get it. Mm-hmm. Wow. Isn't what that a, what a title's supposed to do? Yeah. But in this case, it really, I personally, I can never remember that child's play is the one with Chucky. Now I will know. Mm. Um, uh, I would I would love to hear people's least memorable horror movie names because I feel like there are a lot of them. Yeah, Friday the Thirteenth. Uh, Should they just be called Jason? That's the other. Yeah, that's a great example. Like that's you kind of. I always have to think about which one is which. Right. Which meaning Nightmare on Elm Street or mm. Friday the Thirteenth? Yeah. Yes. And the only way to remember it is that. Jason takes place at a summer camp, so it can't possibly be on Elm Street. <laughs> That's great. I didn't <laughs> I didn't have that mnemonic device, but thank you. That's why we're married. <laughs> okay. Well, so... thank you guys for joining us. Ah, yes. Here's a recap. Dare I? You dare. Gunned down by Detective Mike Norris, Chris Sarandon. Dying murderer Charles Lee Ray, Brad Dorif uses black magic to put his soul inside a doll named Chucky, which Karen Barclay, Catherine Hicks, then buys for her young son Andy, Alex Vincent. When Chucky kills Andy's babysitter, the boy realizes the doll is alive and tries to warn people, but he's institutionalized. Now Karen must convince the detective of the murderous doll's intentions before Andy becomes Chucky's next victim. Right, and I would just (laughs) add to that... (laughs) I'll just That's add to correct. that <laughs> correct recap. But it's not just that Andy's going to become Chucky's next victim. He wants to put his, transfer his soul into Andy's body. So he's not just going to kill Andy. He wants to then complete the voodoo transformation. Yeah. And Black magic was a little uh, tasteless in this recap. Google. Oh, my gosh. We'll get into it. But, yeah, so it's not just a victim. It's more like... He this wants is, to not be a doll anymore, and he wants to be human, and he wants to be Andy, because he has to be uh, the person he first revealed himself his to. His true nature, that's true right. True nature, it has to be him. And What this, a twist. 
sociopath is psychopath is thrilled because you know Chuck er, Andy's a six year old boy, so he gets to live all over again with his life of murderous rampages as a uh, yeah, and he's doing just lad. fine as a doll. So I guess a six year old serial killer would be fine too. Save that for the sequel, bitch. Oh. They should do a sequel for this movie. They should try it. I mean, give it a go. Give it a whirl. Roll the dice. See if Chucky has got legs. Okay, shall we jump right in? Baby leg. No. <laughs> yes, let's jump in. Two feet first. Okay, so uh, the movie starts with um, the whole transformation of the serial killer uh, into Chucky. That's like the, the cold open to this movie. That's right. So it's all about like how how it all happened. And then... The, f- the first real scene, we meet Andy, and he is watching television and making breakfast. Um, you, you just see, you see that he's making breakfast, and he's super excited about his good guy uh, toy show. Sh- show, and his he has a PJs on. He's super excited about it. It's his birthday. There's one of those, there's the letters that say happy birthday out. He's got presents. He's desperately trying not to open. Right. And you think he's making breakfast for himself. It's very sad. That opening, it's really like touching when you think he's alone in the house. Yeah. He's like alone on his birthday. It turns out he's not. His mom's in the next room. And he's making her breakfast in bed. On his birthday, no less. He should be the one getting breakfast in bed. (laughs) So That's my parenting thing for this. As a mom, I kind of think breakfast in bed on my children's birthday is just be a new tradition. (laughs) No, just kidding. I don't want breakfast in bed ever. Don't ever do that for me. I know. That would be your worst nightmare. <laughs> yeah. And in fact, one of the scariest scenes of this movie is this kid making breakfast in bed for his mom because not only is he making what in the 80s was a complete breakfast, which was orange juice and cereal and toast. Well, the toast had ice cream. And No, I think it was just a, uh, a oh, that giant was butter. slap of Country crock. Oh, gosh. I thought it was ice cream. I was like, oh, no, he's getting crazy. Because he's making that breakfast, and I thought it was ice cream. Okay. Well, tricks with like eight spoonfuls of sugar on it. Right. Which was a thing that, at least in my family, that we did do was put sugar on our cereal, like Rice Krispies and like cornflakes and stuff. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. We would do that on Mm -hmm. the plain one. That's all we had. That's all we were allowed was the plain cereal. Right. But then they let us put spoonfuls of sugar on it so i'm not sure why i wasn't allowed the sugary cereals until after the divorce but anyway (laughs) so (laughs) yeah so he he's he's just making this crazy breakfast and a big glass of orange juice and cereal with Mm. all that milk and he puts it on a tray. <laughs> well, it's a lot of milk. He spills it. That's the thing. Carol has a spill phobia. We need to talk <laughs> about this. So um, I, watching it, I was, you know, we're sitting here on the couch next to each other. And I could just sense the terror coming off of her in waves. As this <laughs> yeah, it's because they giant he, glass of orange oh juice. Oh, my God. He puts of that, all of that liquid on this tray. And he's six years old. He's so little. I'm holding my head right now. This is so awful to even think about. He, there's a, It's a carpeted apartment. And he just traipses to the bedroom with this, uh, this, this tray, tray. And it's just spilling everything. There's milk on the carpet. I mean... Oh God! Yeah. It only could have been worse if it was a coffee. 
That's true. If he was handling hot liquids as well. No, not it's, hot. It's just coffee smells when it's spilled. It smells awful. I don't care about that. I'm not worried about a burnt mum, just a smelly duvet. Smelly duvet. <laughs> <laughs> it's like the Muppets Shelly Duval. Um, if there's <laughs> so slopping this stuff all over the place. But the the thing was, I love the moms. We're talking about this for so long to get to this point because I wanted to talk about how his mother I thought had such a great response to this breakfast in bed. It's it's entirely inedible. Nothing there would be appealing. Even no. the orange juice is God knows where he got that. It's, it's too no, much of it in the and it's too much of it in the glass. It's like a twelve ounce cup. She very calmly and coolly just accepts the breakfast, asks him to put it down on the side and they just sort of move on with their day. And I that may seem obvious, but these are the little things that really make parenting young kids very successful is when you're actually doing these little things that are able to show your littles that you are not bothered by the obvious avalanche of milk and orange juice that's about to make its way into your lap. Um, Put the spill phobia aside. Yeah. Get over my own stuff. And just accept the breakfast in bed. Well, yeah. Is there going to be a time when Woo and Boo want to do this and I have to just... Well, like everything else, <laughs> it's about getting it there. Like, why are they doing it in the first place? It's because they're excited for you to get up for their birthday. And she yeah. knew that she just asked him about his birthday yeah. and how you how long he'd been awake. And he said forever. And it was just about like, all right, well, what are we yeah. going to do next? And I thought that was just very well yeah. handled. I mean, she's obviously a single mom. Yeah, such is the bond. The series and mm-hmm. such is the bond. Yeah, we should have a bell that we ring. Oh, we should like Trader Joe's. <laughs> yeah, who knows what they use those bells for anymore? I think it's just for assistance. Like, okay, yeah. it used to be when you brought your own bags. <laughs> now they just have to do it. They'd be forced to do it like six times per transaction in the state of California. Oh, that's so local. we hope that's we're pandering. You know, now at this point to our local audience, but I'm not going to say that this mom is perfect nor the worst but that accepting the breakfast in bed was one of the better choices that she made in this movie as far as i mean she she had to work that day she has got a lot going on so i i feel for her however there we did have some issues the where are the parents uh question that we usually ask Mm -hmm. In these situations, I think, I don't know if you caught this, had the dad passed away? Is that why? That was my understanding. I feel like there was one little line Mm -hmm. about it, and I'm not quite sure. So if anybody knows the answer to that. Yeah, if you caught it. Where is the dad? I'm going to guess dead. dead? Did he just, was he a bad dad? I don't don't think so. I think think he was dead. Had to be dead, because otherwise I think he would have made his way more into the like... Mm backstory of it would have made its way more into the chucky lore mm. so it's andy's birthday and he really wants this good guy doll he's obsessed with good guys or good guy a show okay. a barney like show featuring a horrific mascot <laughs> terif- more terrifying than any scene of actual chucky terror oh yeah is that full suited human adult sized 
foam-headed mascot. Yeah, I wonder if he's in any of the sequels. Oh yeah, if yeah, like Chucky has him, like he's like a golem that <laughs> Chucky can wield. <laughs> That'd be amazing. We'll talk about it later, I guess. Every good guy doll has his own name, right? And that way, it's like Cabbage Patch because this came out like right, yeah, 1988. That's like when the Cabbage Patch kids and like uh, i thought it was my buddy kid sister my buddy riff, kid sister but that's apparently right, that's right. he was inspired by the cabbage patch craze of the early 80s yeah yeah that's why i was saying because like i was very young when that all happened but i did get a cabbage patch doll and i just remember it being such a thing where like stores were out of it and you had to wait in line and and that they had their own names because yeah. that that's a whole thing with the cabbage patch kids and they they grow in a in a cabbage patch and you pick them you pick them and then they ha- come with a birth certificate and their butts are signed by Xavier Roberts. It was a hit. I don't know why. He signed every baby but then left them there to rot in a cabbage field. <laughs> if anyone knows the lore, I know my sister Monica does. So <laughs> if that's not the most horrific concept possible, this that's... human farm is basically the plot of the Matrix. They <laughs> They really should do a Cabbage Patch horror movie. I mean, if Battleship gets a movie. Yeah. Okay. Anyway, we are really straying here. Um, no, I think that was that was point two. The movie Battleship. <laughs> <laughs> Check. Anyway, that's what that's what the whole doll craze is that this good guy mm-hmm. doll is all about. He dresses in the clothes and everything. He opens all his presents. Well, first of all, his mom gets him clothes. And she knows he's bummed out by it. So she gives him like his real present. And his real present is a, it's like a good guy workbench. And great present. Yeah. And he's happy, but not glum. He's a little glum. Yeah. Mm. It's a bittersweet thing because he knows that his mom worked hard to save up for this thing. Maybe he doesn't want to be a dick about it, but <laughs> he wants the good guy doll that he saw advertised on TV. Yeah. And. Yeah. We're led into her financial situation because she says, I didn't know that w- existed in time to save for it. We also find out that it costs $100 in 1988 dollars, which is absurd. It's psychotic. an animatronic doll, though. I mean, it's like pretty cutting edge technology at the time. That's true. Yeah. You like have to put own... punch cards into the back and feed it different. <laughs> did you have a any of the... Nah. Did you have a Teddy Ruxpin? Nah, dude. Did you have a kid sister? Nah. Oh, my buddy. Nah. I just told you I got one Cabbage Patch kid. That's it. And what was its name? Rebecca. Did you call it anything else besides Rebecca? No, it's her name. Not Becky? <laughs> no, she wasn't Reba? a Becky. No. She had red hair. Reba? No. <laughs> Actually, I had two Cabbage Patch kids. But oh. Yeah. One was, the truth comes out. <laughs> one came much later. She was one of the ones you could wash. You know, she was like plastic. She was an adult. <laughs> she was she was a, a bath time couch patch. Oh kid. Yeah, 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 I do. I do of course remember. Regina Jesse. Yeah. Her name was Regina Jesse. <laughs> yeah. The doll so nice they named it twice. Regina Jesse. <laughs> so at this point the mom goes to her department store job, uh the make the jewelry counter. And right. she has to deal with her boss asking her to work a double shift so let's listen to that clip mrs howe has taken sick and we're shorthanded tonight you'll have to fill in for her 
I can't. I have to pick up my son at the daycare center in an hour. I'm sorry. This is an emergency. Wait a second. I'll take over for her. Miss Peterson, you work in shoes, not in jewelry. You'll just simply have to do it. Now, you can take off at 5, but you'll have to be back at 7. It's my son's birthday. Mrs. Barclay, are you happy with your job here? Yes, of course I am. Then I suggest Hey, that... chill out, would you, Walter? Huh? I'll take care of Andy for you. Oh, Peggy, you can't do it again. Don't be silly. It'll be the hottest date I've had in months. I can't imagine why. <laughs> Rude. This guy is clearly wanting to be promoted to mall cop ASAP because he is drunk with fake power. That's right, but he hasn't met his rude nemesis yet, Chucky. <laughs> and spoiler alert, he never does. <laughs> That'd be awesome. This guy sucks. Uh, he, <laughs> Shitty boss. he threatens her job. Yeah. So, so terrible. Um, gives On her, her son's birthday. Gives her a two-hour window, which is, there's absolutely no way anyone could do anything in two hours, especially when it involves a child. In rush hour, in a major metropolitan area. Yeah. He's so condescending. But anyway, I bring it up because it's a sad childcare situation. She's a single mom. She has to work this double shift that's quote-unquote an emergency, which, as we touched on in episode two with The Brood... There are emergencies and there are not emergencies and even children should know the difference between the two. This guy clearly doesn't. He's forcing her to work this double shift and she has to ask Maggie to watch little Andy for her. She doesn't have, you know, she has the daycare center. That she was, Right. That what yeah. She, she said she takes him to a daycare center yeah. Yeah, and Maggie offers something that we don't talk about is how like that is one of the hardest things to do as a parent is ask your friends to help you out when you're in a tough spot. Right. And even when friends or family do offer to watch your children, if it's them or a babysitter that you hire, I feel like it's stressful no matter what. We've had all of those situations. We've had family, we've had friends, we've had people that we hire and it in hindsight it's always you know we're so glad we did that of course it's good to go out and have time to yourself yeah and you know still pretend that you have a normal life which yeah. you don't um <laughs> and but at the time i know at least for me because woo and boo are just now being able to realize that they're being left with someone you know like right they but they're yeah coming or like what they, happens they kind of get yeah like we talk about it with them mm -hmm. but they're still they're not quite old enough like andy to like be kind of self-sufficient with a babysitter yes they still need a lot of care and they don't have a concept of time or right <laughs> right you have to really say like we're gonna be back anyway it's stressful no matter who it is and um it's just an interesting thing about parenting that i never really thought about the reality of it, even though I was a babysitter. That's right, child babysitter. Growing up. Um, yeah, like <laughs> preteen. I mean, style of the times. Basically Every Andy's age. <laughs> Everybody was doing that. Like you hit 10 and you just needed cold hard cash to buy Barbies. I don't know. Yeah, that's right. You weren't in a cabbage patches anymore. <laughs> that's for sure. 
probably not Barbies, but like, I don't know what we were buying with our babysitting money. I didn't have a babysitter growing up, but you had a babysitter. Like you had babysitters, right? Yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah. There were people's teenage older sisters who would come over and watch us sometimes. The occasional visiting grandparent. Um, Oh, right. Because your grandparents lived far away. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I also don't think that my parents really went out at all. So if I was being, if I was being watched by my grandmother or my sisters, it was because of some gap in time where like there was a work situation like Karen Barclay. Mm. She asked your mom if she identifies with Karen, with Karen Barclay. I'm sure she does. My mom will 100% never watch this movie. So (laughs) (laughs) you could not. You probably couldn't pay her to watch this movie. That would be a fun thing. We could try. Yeah, see how, see how much we see could see how much we could pay Valerie. Yeah. Um yeah, pay Val will be the say Valet. <laughs> I don't know what's gonna call. We'll work on the segment title, but listeners are gonna need you guys to support this financially. <laughs> yeah. We're on Venmo at <laughs> No, we're not. We will be. Yeah. We will take this. I'll donations. just give you my mom's Venmo. Yeah. She doesn't have Venmo. Doesn't have Venmo. Um, <laughs> Send us cash. So, yeah, that's just something that um, is a weird parenting thing, leaving your kids with strangers or friends. It is. I mean, but it's super vital to it's living so your vital. life at all. Right. Yes. And we are thankful for having friends and family around to do that. Um, yeah. Otherwise, I mean, it's it's economically almost impossible. I can't imagine if you had to hire childcare every single day for you know, or like not every day, but like if you actually like to go out and do literally anything that you had to hire yeah. childcare, that'd be very very difficult. Mm. Hot friend tip out there actually is if you have parents with kids of a similar age that you trust. A great move is to trade off date nights. We've done that several times with friends where it's like after bedtime, you have one of them come over and you go out and they just watch Netflix or whatever. And then you're back in a couple hours and everyone has a good time. And then you just trade at some other point down the road. It's great for just like those things like uh, going to a show, going to catch a movie. Totally. Go get a drink. Just have a little anytime. Yeah. That's a great. It's free. Hack. Yeah, parenting hacks with a butcher knife because I'm Chucky. <laughs> or with that little hunting knife. Where did you get, even get that knife? Oh, the voodoo knife will get there. <laughs> <laughs> so the babysitter is murdered by Chucky. And it is, <laughs> the apartment is now a crime scene. <laughs> it's so tempting to say spoiler alert every single I know. time we mention any plot point. Right. But like, obviously. Yeah. Obviously, Chucky kills the babysitter because he mm-hmm. has to. Yeah, we see that great little uh, Chucky cam, which is like his POV, 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 POV shot from you know from his eyes out. Very trilogy of terror, little doll running around. But I do kind of wish they had utilized that. I wish we'd seen it through um, Andy's eyes, like seeing him walk around like that, just as like another sort of false alarm. Oh, in yeah. the movie. That would have been fun. But, mm. you know, I'm not here to rewrite the movie. I'm here to talk to you about parenting. So, <laughs> so when Karen comes home and her apartment is a crime scene, she learns that Maggie's been killed. There's this long 
chain, it's a scene where the detective, Mike Norris. Chuck's brother. Basically tells her to relax, then vaguely accuses her son of being the murderer, then says, like, I don't know, just a theory I'm spinning around in my head. Yeah, she and, bursts in the door, and all the cops, and she's like, where's my son? And all the cops look at her like, huh? Yeah, like, I mean, is, it's a ridiculous yeah. scene. So they they move through, yeah, like accusing Andy of being the killer, then telling him to go to bed, and, mm-hmm. y- you know, he's, it, it's just absurd the way that the crime scene's being handled and the way that they're talking to Andy yes. and assuming dealing... the footprints in the flower must be that of a child murderer, not possibly a game or a mistake or anything right. else like, far more logical than child murder. Right. And so it's handled very badly mm-hmm. on on all fronts. Um I don't and... think they even put plywood over the window before they are forced out she yeah, just they, she kicks them out, which is also power move, by the way. Get out of here. This Shut is my apartment and I'm upset. So she, she does kick the detectives out and then she is washing her face and she hears Andy talking to Chucky and she goes into Andy's room and starts confronting him aggressively about how Chucky's just a doll. That's right. That doll's not real. And Andy says, he is real, mommy. He's, he's, uh, his name is Charles Lee Ray. And he was, um, he's sent down from, uh, from heaven. Daddy from, sorry. Yeah. Daddy sent him down from heaven. That's right. That's the only window we get into the reality that Andy's father is dead. Right. I don't think it's otherwise mentioned in the movie. Yeah. So he, he, he states the real truth just flat out. If she paid attention to him at all, lots of lives could have been saved. That's right. But the the reason I bring it up is that, yeah, it's possible that Andy could have made all that up and lied about his doll being alive, sentient, and also a murderer brought back from the dead. Mm-hmm. Totally possible. Kids do start lying as early as like two years old. They start deceiving their parents to various degrees sure and kids are really creative Mm -hmm. they realize they have some free will right so sure very unlikely also unlikely you know as you hear your child say this of course you're not going to automatically believe that he's telling the truth about the sentient doll but maybe just take a step back ask a question maybe not yell at your kid and granted, she's under a lot of pressure in this scene. But yeah, her still. friend just died. And and there is, like, you see them as this team, you know, with, like, the single mom with the little boy. And it's, like, a very, you feel like they're bound together. And it's it's very important that Andy, that she doesn't, like, lose her grip on Andy, you know, in this scene. She, it seems like she's talking to him more like an adult. Right. She does say, like, yeah, I mean, should we, do you want to listen to it, the end of that clip? Oh, sure. Now, you don't really think that Chucky is alive, do you? But he is. Andy, stop it. Please. It's because of Aunt Maggie you're yelling at me, isn't it? Yes, I guess it is. I'm sorry. 
I'll start making up stories. Thanks, champ. That music is so ominous when you isolate it under him just apologizing. <laughs> uh, sorry, you were saying. What is this, a Jerry Goldsmith film? <laughs> Fuck Jerry Goldsmith. <laughs> so that was just the end of that scene. She had, she had really yelled at him quite a bit before then. Yes, it was basically shaking him, saying, stop it. Yeah, stop. He's not alive. A doll is not alive. So dun, then dun. <laughs> Andy kind of twists it and he's like, oh, I see, Mom. You're just uh, upset that your friend died. So I'm sorry. I'll stop. Like he it's, mm. he, he seems very put on. Yeah, absolutely. It's kind of funny that that's how it's really part of jump that people make to making their kids apologize, right? Is that by forcing children to apologize and making it this learned behavior as if it's like one of their tricks like when they learn a new word and it's like oh wow say you know boo say basketball basketball which we love it's adorable but when you when a child does something quote-unquote wrong and you force them to apologize you're really like kind of leapfrogging where they're at developmentally just really forcing them to learn the rule that they should just say these words, and when they do, the problem goes away. Rather than making them figure out that what they're doing is uh, not a proper way to behave or interceding when maybe they are just, like, at the end of their emotional tether for the day. And maybe, you know, like, if they shove a kid, take just taking them, or removing them from the situation rather than forcing them to apologize or rather than being the parent and showing them how to engage and apologize in that situation or check in with say the kid that they knocked over or anything like that um but yeah andy has successfully learned just apologize and move along yeah it's almost like he redirects himself it's like yeah you know he it's like okay what do i gotta do to make this emotional situation come to a close yeah exactly so say you're sorry say you'll stop yep go to sleep we're done right do you want to go in my bed with me no forcing apologies accomplishes the exact opposite that a real apology is meant to do right you know the feeling of actually being sorry and having any empathy for the situation whatsoever yeah and like wishing you hadn't done it it's like no let's just get this over with you would think that parents these days would be able to recognize that but parents still demand apologies it seems like because that has everything to do with the parents feelings right like those are the things where we're we're the ones who get really messed up about a kid not apologizing because you're like you're missing the social cue this is where you're supposed to say i'm sorry and it's really tough to like take a step back and just remember that in the same way that they can be uh, that a kid can lie from a very young age they can also show empathy from a very young age you know they could help they could share a toy without being asked they could you know help somebody up or whatever else they don't have to um like try to comfort someone when when they're crying but they don't do it on command they just have to figure it out because they don't understand they don't know in every situation when maybe you're supposed to or know exactly what's going on even right like and And they just act on impulse so like if they push someone it's not like they meant to 
hurt them. They right. were just acting on impulse. And so to then make them apologize for that, it just makes no sense. And getting all bent out of shape that your kid got pushed. It's just silly. It is. It's kind of fun. Yeah. So he basically just did the like, shh, shh, and like yeah. uh, wiped his his mother's eyelids shut and right. <laughs> made her go to sleep by just going like, I'm sorry. We're good here, right? Okay. Okay. Moving on. <laughs> As shall we. As shall we. After the second, after Chucky kills a second time by blowing up a house. Um, <laughs> it's a house full of rats and one other rat, if you catch my drift. A vagrant. <laughs> Some other. Well, it's his. Uh, it's his friend. Yeah, but it's his friend. He... He's clearly in the bad part of town. It is. Oh, yeah. Thousand percent obvious that this guy is living the low life. That's right. And listen, he may be known as a Lakeshore Strangler, but he's got a whole bag of tricks. He can oh, yeah. Into at a moment's notice. So that happens. And then he. So, yeah. Andy was at the scene. And so he is institutionalized, basically, because yes. he's found with this doll. The mom has to go home to her apartment without Andy. And she's with Chucky. She goes to throw the box away that Chucky came in, and the batteries fall out of that the is, box. I think that's like the best moment in the movie. Oh, it's great. It's wonderful. It is, it's definitely the best scene because mm-hmm. up until this point, the audience has not seen Chucky do anything. Like you see yeah, from his, you see from the um, Chucky cam, but you don't see anything. You don't Nothing hear him where talk. Andy's not there, right? Like there, there is the possibility up until this point, it is Andy actually doing all this stuff and somehow implicating the doll. That's true. We know, yeah, we just know obviously that it's Chucky. But I guess if you were watching this in 1988, you could, you would think like maybe it is Andy. But anyway, so the batteries fall out. And And she dares to creep over there. Yeah, she does. To this doll. And and open the battery hatch. It's a good long while into the scene that finally Chucky turns, like his face is actually animatronic and he uses his real voice. That's right. We hear that rude, crude dude with attitude. (laughs) Chucky. (laughs) Yeah. Comes right to the surface. Says something horrible. Right. Which is pretty much... The like the only part of this movie that is, it, 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 that's like the main crux of the movie. It's not just kid that Chucky kills people; it's that he swears. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. It's, he's a he's a bad doll. He's just a bad he's a doll. Bad little boy. <laughs> and so, she drops him. He like rolls under the couch. Uh. At a different point in the movie, he rolls under a bed with a bed skirt. The couch has like a, a, a dust ruffle. And I'm going to go ahead and oh, say. Great, great pulls from 80s uh, <laughs> interior design that choices. Sh- that do not exist anymore. No. Why would you and do that? Psychopathic dolls could be under all of our couches exactly. right now. Yeah. So, yeah, I would say as a rule, people, get rid of those bed skirts, get rid of those dust ruffles, and don't go peeking under stuff with your yeah. face first, right? face right at chucky level come on that's amateur hour you know this doll's alive what are you doing maybe she has a death wish after a friend died and everything else maybe she wanted chucky secretly to kill her 
That's really dark. She has Andy to look out for. So, yeah. Well. Me personally, me as Karen Barclay, I'm not. I don't have a death wish right now. I'm just. I'm trying to survive. Just being very loosey goosey with my face protection here. So, <laughs> anyway, so she. Rule number two. <laughs> protect your face. Um, he doesn't attack her face, but it's very scary. It's a scary he does scene. bite her. He does bite her. He. He attacks her, and she's wrestling with the Chucky doll. And I, it reminded me of how strong kids are mm. and how, well, how strong kids are, but that in the end, you are stronger than them. That's right. Yeah, and there's no moment in this movie where we actually are, where Chucky's strength is tested. It's unclear if he is supernaturally strong, if he has the strength of his adult soul or if he's just baby strong yeah we don't know the rules with the voodoo magic uh how that works but i don't think they know the rules with the voodoo magic or how that works (laughs) nope it is distasteful it is the cultural appropriation in this movie and in so many horror movies it's a paper i wish i'd written in college and i guess i guess i could write an article now but i'm not doing that i have two young children um (laughs) Right, that medium post. There you go. It's out in the world now. Catch that idea. Run away with it. But it made me think about how, because it looks ridiculous when she's wrestling with this doll. Right. Because then it's just back to normal doll. And so she's just rolling around the floor with a doll. Yeah, she's trying to fight him off and he bites her. And of course you would be very off kilter, mm-hmm. to say the least, as this as you're wrestling with a doll. Your mind would be reeling, yada, yada. But the fact is... Fair point. (laughs) The fact is, hopefully your adrenaline would kick in and you would just go into survival mode and you would, in fact, be stronger than this two and a half foot doll. You could at least get it away from you long enough to extricate yourself from the situation. Yeah, I was just... I was thinking about how it it does require a lot of strength to get your kid in the car seat sometimes, to get them dressed, or shoes, specifically socks and shoes. Even just to hold them if they're deciding to flail in your arms. Oh my gosh. And Boo is a flailer. He is. He I'm a queen. does not give a fuck about his personal safety. No. He will just dive right out of your arms if he wants to get down. He will, yeah, he'll bang his head on things on the crib i mean he 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 chipped a tooth and i don't even know how don't know. He, he did that um but i noticed it one day and luckily it wasn't too bad but it's not nonetheless back. <laughs> nonetheless <laughs> thankfully little baby teeth we pray i wasn't surprised at all really i was like oh you did that because that's who you are you don't care that's right just holding their hands when they don't want to hold your hand it requires a really, really strong grip. And I feel like a lot of parents, you have to really rise to that level, you know, because you don't want to obviously like hurt your child, but it requires like a lot to, you know, I'm specifically thinking about like when a child is arching their back in the car seat. Yeah, you got to, for- you really have to hold them down. You have to restrain them with your hand until you can restrain them with a belt. Right. It is like very, yeah. I it mean, does it sometimes feel like you're over asserting yourself, but at the same mm-hmm. time, it is 
just the the force necessary to do the thing you have to do. I mean, because even and like young kids like that too, they can even you know if you're off balance, they can knock you over. You know, if you're crouching down or something, and you're you know even a one year old who's walking runs at you and kind of like you know jumps into your arms could knock you back. There are there kids so are strong. They can absolutely display strength. Yes. However, parents have to be stronger. And you definitely have to be stronger than that little Chucky doll. You so any chance of survival. <laughs> which, you know, I mean, she she makes some pretty bad decisions in this movie, but she does survive, as does Andy, as does Detective Mike Norris. Even after Chucky tries to strangle him <sighs> in his cop car. That's right. In the back seat, reaches over the top. What is the rule when you get in the car? Check the back seat. Okay. How weird is that? <laughs> you have to. Okay. I always choose a car when car shopping uh-huh. where it is very obvious if there's someone in the car with me. You know what I mean? Like I'm not going to choose. That's the goal of a smaller car for you is a, or a, say a hatchback or just something like visibility. that. Just the visibility. Like there's just no way a person could hide in my car and I wouldn't see them. One hundred percent. That's part of the calculus when you go car shopping. The one time I've ever been car shopping, I did think about that. I've only bought one car in my life, but I will always think of that. Yes. Yes, the car salesperson. You know, I don't need to ask. Few questions. (laughs) I'm not going to buy like a big car or one where like you could potentially hide under the seats. It's never happening. Okay, so no no pass vans for you. That's just not in our future. That's sad to know. But so it goes. I find that bizarre. But a lot of people... Because you're a man and you don't have to think about your personal safety all the time? Cool. No. Because it doesn't happen. That is not what carjackers do. And this is a... <laughs> it's what Chucky does. And I'm going to be safe. That's right. Well, fine. As a man, I don't, I've never been attacked by an animatronic doll before. One possessed well, by that's your hoodoo. privilege. Voodoo. voodoo. What? I've never been po- attacked by a voodoo or hoodoo possessed doll. Juju or Grigri. Not one. You. It's a. It's pretty. It's you know. It has its privileges. But this that whole idea of the killer in the back seat is completely an urban legend that it just it dates back to apparently the late 60s was the first time it appeared in popular culture and the thinking is in like appeared in in print in any way but it was only it was never based around an actual account it's just that it started to appear in sort of like folklore right in the 1960s and the you know the guess is is that you have interstate travel you have otherization of a lot of people in the country because as segregation and racial politics are at their worst really as that's coming mm-hmm. to a head and coming to an end uh hippie movement as well you have these sort of otherized young people that like you don't know who these people are in every instance of the story it is always a because the way, the way this goes is always woman stops for gas or something like that gets in her car, someone's flashing their high beams at her. She gets home, finds out that she narrowly missed being, you know, murdered 
by the person that was hiding in her back seat. So it's both always a man who's in the back seat murdering a woman, and it's always a man who comes to her rescue. There's never a version of the story where she fends him off until help arrives, until or that it's a woman driver who saves her or any of those things. It's right. like an incredibly... I mean, the man murdering the woman is how things tend to happen though so yes no that, that, part. that part tracks but the fact that it's like everything else <laughs> she's just a a cipher for this right for right. like this urban legend doesn't happen apparently men are more likely to be murdered by men in cars and yeah. that like the only place this ever it like had a reemergence when we were kids in the early 80s because it was it was someone sent it into uh ann lander's advice column right but otherwise it has no factual basis oh and the the first appearance of it ever in the historical record was an escaped convict who got in the back of a car and he was killed by the driver because the driver was an off-duty police officer. Wow. That's there you it. go. Anyway, so the point is not a ton to be scared of. In I that. mean, it's so the but, way of these things, you know. Yeah. But if it may if it feels good, do it. Check your back seat. That little rush when you look back there. It's fine. It's all clear. <laughs> all clear. Have, you should bring a, like a my buddy or something with you next time you go car shopping. Mm-hmm. Jam it under mm. the seats. Make sure that even such a thing mm-hmm. should have become my cabbage patch doll. I'll bring my old cabbage patch. That's doll. right. Uh, I've already forgotten <laughs> its handsome name. Regina Jesse. Oh, that's Regina the one I can Jess- wash. <laughs> Regina Jesse, the washable doll. <laughs> Yeah, and so, I mean, I totally believe that everything that you said tracks with me as well, because it's how, it's just fear-mongering, and it's like a thing passed around Facebook now. Yeah. Like, check your back seat, or like, you know, make sure there's no one hiding under your car that's going to slice your ankles, or is that oh, yes. really a thing? Yeah, that's apparently another thing that's also related to this. I read about it when I was reading up on this, that mm-hmm. the slicing your ankles thing it comes up, and that's always... Uh, again, when it's identified, it's always usually a male of color who's doing it. It's, it lately has reared its ugly head as a supposed gang initiation, and it's always black kids in the back seat slicing people's ankles Great. as part of some initiation. It is crazy. Uh, white people are assholes, and but Chucky doesn't <laughs> does not succeed in murdering this cop in his car either. Yes. Further buoying my case. <laughs> Case closed. Dun, dun. Oh, we are going to get the law and order. Yeah. Ding dong. My coworker has it as her uh, text message sounds, so oh. it's going to be pretty easy to get. Hey, if you're going to have audible notifications, that's the way to go. It's hilarious every time. Um, well, thank <laughs> you for... Dick Wolf intended. Thank you for illuminating us on that, and I hope that it helps people sleep a little easier tonight. While you're driving. Yeah. <laughs> In a big pass van <laughs> on your way to Chicago, where this movie takes place. Oh, oh, Chicago. All right. So now I believe it is time to rate this movie. Josh. Okay. How many <gasps> D batteries, yellow D batteries, do you give this movie oh. uh, out of five? Out of five sets of two? Yes. Ten total good guy Brand D batteries or these mm-hmm. the IKEA ones? Good guy brand, un unused. Oh, all right, out of five pairs, 
of Good Guy D batteries, I give it two pair. Two pair. Yeah, four mm. batteries. Wow. How about you, Carol? I. Mm. Okay. It's tough. I'm going to give it uh, three pair. Oh. Three out of five because. A D minus. <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't work. No, I know. It doesn't work. <laughs> Um, because it's such a classic film in the whole, in this type, this genre. Mm -hmm. And I had my expectations very low. It is not a scary movie. No. It's more of a thriller, if anything. It's very funny at times, but I didn't hate it. And they don't. The people don't make like terrible decisions. They, the, it's not the best, but they're not stupid. These the the people and you know being terrorized by Chucky, and I like the premise, mm-hmm. even though I don't like the voodoo part. Not only was it no. crazy cultural appropriation, but it was just stupidly uh, carried out as well. <laughs> like it was just dumb. Yeah, but I like yeah I like the premise and. I feel like I've seen movies like, like I remember I was saying it reminded me of Candyman yes. in certain parts. And that movie, like I really hated when I watched it. Like it made yeah. me upset. And this movie didn't make me mad. So. No, though I do feel like the best parts about it were, was like the parenting. <laughs> That's probably my favorite thing in the movie. Cause she was, see. yeah. Cause it was, it was finally, you know. It, there wasn't a detached dad. There was a dead dad. That's right. But yeah. she was she was pretty I'm good. Real dad. She was pretty good. I mean, are we just pitying her? That's the worst emotion. Be less Faye Dunaway. Seventh Heaven star. Oh, that's right. That's how she got that role for sure. She's so like. She showed them caring. her pilot script for Seventh Heaven. And that's how she got Child's Play. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> She's so caring. Yeah, I. She's like really sincere, and I think that helped her in her mm-hmm. seventh heaven. I don't like. Here's the thing: I don't like sassy kids. I don't think that is like a character choice is a compelling one for me. South Park was not funny because like Eric Cartman swore or whatever, you know. They're, oh, you're talking about Chucky. You just I'm don't talking, like how sassy he is. Well, yeah, and it's just everything's like ah, bitch. You know, it's yeah. like that's kind of his like his speed. I don't no, like. The worst. He's um, dumb. No, Chucky's Chucky's dumb. And it just felt right, like everybody's no a batteries dumb given. <laughs> I hated this movie. <laughs> yeah, there we go. <laughs> I yeah. So I win with four batteries. <laughs> That's how this works. I think. Uh, I congratulations! Thank you for the batteries. Let's rate the kids, and I'm mm. going to talk. Let's talk about Andy because Chucky. Do, that's not what we're talking about here. But let's rate Andy as. The character and the child actor, how did he do? Mm, okay. So this is going to be definitely on a scale of, yeah, how many ceremonial voodoo knives do you give young Andy? Out of? Oh, out of 10. I would give him eight and a half <laughs> voodoo knives, ceremonial voodoo knives. I thought he did great. Yeah, he played it a little young, like he was doing a little baby talk, but now I know that kids just do that, so, because Wu does that and to a yeah. infuriating degree sometimes, because you just want him to talk, 
in his own voice. And sometimes he does baby talk. And my sister, Monica, who, as mentioned on our Facebook page, is a child, early childhood development expert, has reassured me that this is just a thing that kids do and to cool my jets about it. Yeah. And she has a good a good tactic for kind of interceding with it, right? You mention it in like a, if I remember correctly, I'm bad at doing this one, but she is, you say something like, um, are you pretending to be a baby or is that what a baby would say? Something like that. Like you acknowledge it as though it's like an impression or a character that they're doing. Right. Not like you don't coddle it and you don't have to ignore it. You certainly don't have to get mad about it. Right. I don't get mad, but but I do sometimes way too sternly say that I can't understand him when he talks in baby voice. Yeah. Um, How many ceremonial voodoo knives would you give Andy Barclay? I mean, I thought he did well. Um, I was also (laughs) upset about his baby talk. I I guess I feel like I'm going to have to go seven, but I do feel like, you know, he's six years old. It still felt very accurate. I met a six-year-old recently, and I was surprised it still, I was heartened almost by how childlike a six-year-old was is that you know having really young kids and you start to get that sort of the nostalgia for the present basically about losing their babyness you know mm-hmm. that it's like going away mm-hmm. is like meeting a, a six-year-old and you know he's into things older kids are into this he was saying he was talking about how his he likes basketball and his favorite player is steph curry someone asked him what's your favorite player? He goes, Stephen curry He'll probably be my favorite player forever, I guess. He just offered that oh. little thing, and it was like that little touch that was just like... Oh, six is so good. You sweet pea. Yeah, you're just... Yeah, oh, like, yeah. There's just still so much... There's so much more to go. Anyway, so I, I thought that was like fairly accurate. I even thought like even playing with a doll. I don't know how old I was when I got a My Buddy, but it had to be around that age because that's when they were out, and it was still a popular yeah. toy. And I we also... Were, we were Andy's age when like this completely... Would have been our childhood. Oh, that's could have happened crazy. to us. Josh. This could have happened to us. It came out in 1988. Oh, that's a great point. Yeah. I also thought that you know he was pretty crafty. He noticed Chucky's shoes had flour on them, and he tried to inform the police who didn't listen to him. So he's not like a, they didn't try to make him a total dunce, which is one of right. my least favorite things. That yeah, as we've talked about before, the least favorite thing that sometimes filmmakers will do two little kids and i and he joined maybe even is the founding member of of this pantheon of like the industrious kids of chicago obviously kevin McAllister coming hot on his heels i think Mm. in like 1989 right but so that should be a list yeah the industrious kids of chicago ready to like trap you ready to ready to stick a scalpel in your eye andy like tries to mess up that psychologist oh my god he really does he's but i mean it's deserved. He's like coming after him with a syringe. Yeah. I'm still um, going to give him seven. I, yeah. I, yeah. Yeah. All right. Still strong. I think this goes right into our segment. Where are they now? It's Mummy and Daddy's Totally Awesome. Where are they now? So we just have the one actor to, to talk about here. Andy Barclay was played by Alex Vincent. And he pre- can't trust him. Two first names. Do you have a guess as to what Alex Vincent got up to after this movie? Close-up magic? I feel like you've said that before. Oh, cool. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry to our close-up magician listeners. Maybe. I think you all used to be failed child, or I don't know, moderately successful child actors. Maybe you just talk about close-up magic a lot in our life together. Um, 
<laughs> just comment on its existence. That's pretty much it. I can't, I can neither confirm nor deny that he got into ch- uh, close-up magic. How about, ooh, he is a, he's a DJ. Yes. But a, are you serious? Oh, no, sorry, go ahead. Go he's ahead. A, I was going to say he's a DJ, but in a place like Myrtle Beach. <laughs> that sound about right? You know what? Okay, I sorry, I had it wrong. He's not a DJ, but he lives on a boathouse in New Jersey with his girlfriend, or he did in 2003, and he's he plays keyboard. Oh. Just kind of like the DJ of instruments. The DJ of the sea. <laughs> is the lead singer of a band called Perception. Ooh, how is it spelled? Correctly. Hmm. Um, and his favorite band is Nine Inch Nails. This is all on IMDb. You know what? So whoever's managing this page, look, if you don't want us to make fun of this, then this is on you. You came to the wrong place. And there's nothing... There's absolutely nothing wrong with your favorite band being Nine Inch Nails. No, he'll be strong happy. choice. He'll, he probably went to those uh, reunion shows recently. Had a great time. Yeah. Maybe Perception opened for uh, Nine Inch Nails on tour. He made the mistake of, of just putting a link to his IMDb page. So the email came across as, Hi, I'm in a band called Perception. I live in a houseboat with my girlfriend. You're my favorite band. Signed, Alex Vincent. So Alex Vincent basically was in the Chucky sequels. All of them? Uh, not, uh, well, he was in Child's Play 2, Curse of Chucky, and Cult of Chucky. So he's not in this new one coming out. And which... he's not in Bride of Chucky nor Seed of Chucky? Correct. But he, he took a break. So from... he doesn't get to fuck Chucky in <laughs> So he took a break from acting in high school, but he just like couldn't stay away. And he was in a few like shorts and he got back into it. I think it was basically like he realized like I better cash in on this. You know, mm. he said, he got bitten by the it bug. says, this is the weirdest thing. And I have to read it from the IMDb page. Two years later, during the filming of Child's Play 2 in 1990, the young actor endured long days and demanding action that would have tried the patience of many an older person. But Vincent persevered, winning the respect and affection of both cast and crew. Like, what? <laughs> like, that is like when someone tries to beef up their resume <laughs> to be like, uh, I interface with several executives on a day-to-day basis. Totally. <laughs> Rather than just being like, I took lunch orders and... Right. Uh, and it says, in high school, he tried to live down the image of a child star, but two years later, decided to give acting another try. Aw. So, that's where young Andy Barclay ended up. Fascinating. Yeah. It sure. is. It really is. I mean, you know. He's just out in the world now. Roman check out free. his band. Josh, it is time now for Interview with a Vampire. Oh, sweet. I'm ready. Go for it. You're up. Oh, great. I get to go first. All right. Uh, Something that jumped out at me right at the top of this film is the theme of gift giving and how this is really all centers around giving a gift and not just giving gift, but also giving in 
to really, I mean, possibly at, I mean, a really untold cost because it would be a murderous doll. Um, even when the mom was not, said she wasn't financially able to buy the gift that Andy wanted, which leads to her buying this infested one from a peddler. I wanted to know if your child was bummed out by what you got him. Would you go and try to get a makeup gift and just keep the the good times rolling or would you just roll with it? Okay. Does that the, make sense? The situation in the movie is like she legitimately didn't know that the doll was going to come out mm-hmm. before his birthday. So she couldn't save so up for it because it was $100. Right. Then she found a $30 one. Right. So I didn't feel like she was trying to make up for her shitty present. I feel like she was just trying to give Andy the best, you know, whose father has just passed away. Like, I feel like she was just trying to make it like the good guy birthday, you know, because like, as we all know, like these themes come Mm -hmm. and go so fast. Like with Wu's third birthday, we had to do a card's birthday because we knew it probably wouldn't. Wouldn't and it was yeah it was like such an obsession and and it, and he might still like it but he's on to other things even now mm-hmm. that's true so um but back to your question so you'd cash in while you still could no i mean i would not do i would not do what you're talking about i would not go get him if he said like i i don't want this i want this other thing i would definitely say well put it on your christmas list you know we talk about that mm-hmm. a lot with things that he wants because we try to limit his association with like material things being paramount. I love buying him presents. I love just doing fun things with him and just in general trying to create joy. Oh yeah. But, um, not me. (laughs) Unlike someone I know. (laughs) Um, but, I think I would just, because there's just so much, like it was different in the eighties. Like there was, there were so few things like to buy. And now there's just so much, whereas like Wu could go outside and see somebody driving a power wheels and just be like, I want that. And I would just say no, or I would get him one if I wanted to, you know what I mean? Like, I don't know. It's so I I have to say the answer is no. Okay. What about you? You want me to answer that question too? As long as you uh-huh. agree with me, then yes. <laughs> we have combined our finances. So <laughs> there's, well, I guess I was thinking about the car's birthday and how even before the birthday, but sort of at the last minute, I did feel as though I had underbought him presents and I felt as though I should get another thing. And uh, so, see, that hastily, is your childhood hastily purchased. At great cost, <laughs> a, a a car that should have cost, I don't know, $4. I paid like $20 for it to get Amazon to overnight ship a a Wingo. Yeah. From a car's heads out there. Yeah, you did that. I told you that was okay as well. I yeah. agree. I didn't. It's not like you did that and I didn't know about it. I was like, do it. Just get it. Make it happen, Josh. That's right. Yeah, you unleashed me on the Amazon. <laughs> it was a great moment. It's where I it's where I shine, to yeah. be honest. If just there though. That's it. Sometimes you gotta drop a leash. Let me run free. And I'll do it. 
Did you have a question off, for me? Get off the porch. Get out of my fucking face. <laughs> Drop the leash. Isn't that the how Pearl Jam song goes? I was just making a big dog's reference. Oh, get off the porch. Run with a torch. Big dogs. Here's my question for you, Josh. Shoot. If you were on the run, if you were a fugitive, and... My wife! I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> Our two favorite quotes from The Fugitive. Um, oh, yeah, because I can't quote uh, eating hospital scrambled eggs and just shoveling them into my mouth. <laughs> Not yet. You'll get there. That's right. So if you were on the run and you were cornered and ran into a toy store being fully equipped with voodoo black magic, you were shot, mortally wounded, and you were able to transfer your soul into a toy. Yes. What toy from any era? Oh my God, from any era. It could be from your childhood, I guess, before, <laughs> or yeah. to, to the present, no future. No future toys. toys. Okay, it can be like, a life-size human. Uh, <laughs> I thought that doesn't okay. exist. Okay. Ooh, it's a good question. You want mobility. You don't want to be something too old because though it might be more durable, it would just be deadly and probably rusty. Uh, the first thing that came to mind, and so I would first of all, I'd have to scream, give me the power I beg of you! and good get into it yeah uh voltron <laughs> oh voltron that's what i was thinking because then i would also have yeah in theory they you know pieces of it could come off little leopards and stuff and i could send them out to do my bidding oh. i'm assuming the, i'm evil i'm evil voltron the toy does all that yeah because you need all the pieces to build the voltron wow that's asking a lot of voodoo to then like but voodoo has asked so much of me <laughs> uh, all right. magic people voodoo people so i want to introduce one more segment that is new Ooh, a new segment yes and this is a segment called scary good stuff <laughs> and this is where we recommend products that we like or just parenting hacks or things that we recommend in general to make life easier or better or just you know more fun yeah that sounds great so i guess i should have saved my babysitting hack for this segment no no that's fine all right these are not sponsored things (laughs) exactly we're not sponsors don't care about us no just yet no they will though they will so this uh this first scary good stuff item that i would like to recommend is a toy by the company Batat. One word, B-A-T-T-A-T, and specifically the take-apart toys. Wu has a plane from Batat. Oh, yeah, that's a great one. Um, There are trucks, cars, uh, and some sort of Hummer situation. It comes with a drill with three drill bits, Mm -hmm. and you can take the whole thing apart and put it back together. And I recommend this because it's a great little engineering toy, but also if it does get imbued with a serial killer's soul, you can just take it apart. 
take it right apart. That's a great point. And has no heart because um, that's the key with killing Chucky, is uh, his heart. And Would it grow a heart? It might, but I guess you'd be able to isolate that. Yeah. Just flush it down the toilet. <laughs> you'd have to. Mm-hmm. It's the only way. Yeah, this that is a good one because it's got all the toys are the parts are also uh, it it comes apart into like six or seven pieces and all everything is like Duplo size screws and stuff like that. It's not like there's no choking hazards, no choking hazards, but it is, it's just difficult enough Mm -hmm. that it's challenging, but a three-year-old can do it. Yeah, totally. It's a cool, and then play with the toy. It's, it's pretty awesome. Yeah. And then it's a really cool toy. Um, so if you have any scary good stuff that you'd like to recommend, please shoot us an email. Leave us a voicemail. We're going to get to all that information. Right the, now? Right now. Right now. Okay, everybody. Thank you so much for listening to episode four, Child's Play from 1988. Don't be a creep. Get in touch. Email us at mummyxdeddy at gmail.com. We're on Twitter and Facebook at mummyxdeddy and Instagram at mummyxdeddypod. If you have any movie recommendations that you think we should add to our list, if you have comments, questions, complaints, though yeah, we no, won't. Yeah, I'll take them. Josh will. I won't. I'll, yeah. I'll delete them immediately, but leave us a voicemail. We have a phone number. Hit us with it. 818. That's California, baby. 818-839-1991. Leave us that voicemail. And if you like we'll what you hear. play it on the show. Yeah, we will. But don't let that scare you off. Or do. Yeah, go ahead. <laughs> what? Just. I was just going to say that our Facebook page is probably for now going to also be the home of kind of some fun show notes. There may be things, uh, links that we throw in there, but a lot, there's, there's a little bit more, uh, space for some interactivity. So do make sure you follow us on our Facebook page. Yeah. I've been doing some, some fun links up there that I try to talk about things that we talked about in the episode in the weeks in between episodes of course if you like what you hear please leave us a rating and review on apple podcasts or wherever you listen please tell a friend you can find our podcast wherever find our podcasts are given away for free stitcher spotify apple android we got them if you want it somewhere else let us know we don't know all the available platforms our theme music is by kyle andrews our logo is designed by Dara weinberg Maggie Spaulding is the best part of a complete breakfast. Sugar on cereal. Magic people, voodoo people.